That's number 572. Very thankful for the presence of all that are out this evening. Thankful that you've taken the time to be here and to be with us. Pray that the assembly to this point has been a blessing to you. Certainly, it's been encouraging to hear these songs sung. And we have a great crowd, many visiting with us. And we're so thankful that you're here. We're going to continue our series, uh, study a series that we've been going through since last Sunday of exercising yourself towards godliness. We began last Sunday by identifying the need, looking at this passage about what God wants us to do and exercising ourselves towards godliness. Discovered the goal is to glorify God and we finished last Sunday talking a little bit about having the right tools or the right mindset. Monday night we talked about training our heart or our thinking for godliness and Tuesday training our tongue for godliness. Wednesday we talked about our behavior, consistency or being blameless or pure in our conduct and training that for godliness. And last night we got into integrity of putting them all together and living a consistent life before God. This evening I want to talk to you about the subject of personal devotion, disciplining ourselves for godliness by using personal devotion to help us grow. When I talk about personal devotion, I know that's not a phrase that we use an awful lot. It's not something we throw around real regularly, but I want to explain what I mean, and that's just simply a time set aside daily to meet with God. When I say personal devotion, I'm not talking about your private Bible study time where you get into a deep study of God's Word. I'm not talking about studying to put together a lesson or studying to put together notes. I'm not talking about when you pray over meals or you pray about the sick that have called you. It's a time for you to just be alone with God. You know, I think sometimes as Christians, we can get so busy doing Christianity that we forget about the core of the relationship that it's about with God. If you think back in Genesis 1 and 2, it began with a relationship. We read in chapter 3 how that Adam and Eve walked in the garden in the cool of day with God. But once sin came in, that ruined that relationship. And I submit to you that beginning in Genesis chapter 4 through the rest of the Bible, it's nothing more than a story of God doing everything that He can to restore the relationship that mankind destroyed in the garden. And that's at the heart of what God wants is to spend eternity with us, that we would spend it with Him and that we would have a relationship with Him. When I talk about church work, I think sometimes we can get busy organizing church work or organizing even youth works and other things like that manner that, that we forget about our own spiritual growth, our own spiritual development. And it can be really easy to get lost in that. I want you to notice a passage here in Philippians chapter 3, beginning in verse 9, what Paul says when he says, And being found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is the law, but that which is through faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. When he talks here about that I may know him, I want us to understand he's not talking about knowing about Jesus, but rather knowing Jesus. Now, before I go any further, I want to say I understand that it's possible, or it's impossible, I should say, to know Jesus if you don't know about Jesus. It's not possible for someone to be ignorant of God's Word and have a relationship. So in order to know Jesus, you have to know about him. But I would say there's a lot of people that know about Jesus that don't know him. In fact, Jesus says himself in Matthew chapter 7, on the day of judgment, many are going to say unto me, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And he's going to, they're going to name all these things, cast out demons and done many wonderful works. These are people that think they know Jesus. They know about him. They've done all these wonderful works in his name. And he's going to stop and say, I don't know you. 
They know about Jesus, but they don't know Him. And I believe personal devotion is about that idea of drawing close to God, of knowing God, of, if you will, being in the presence of God. The Bible says in Psalm 16 and verse 11, that will show me thy path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At that right hand are, there are pleasures forevermore. And someone might say, yeah, but Mike, isn't what we're doing tonight in the presence of God? And I'd say, yes, it is. Isn't when we get together and do other things in the presence? Yes, it is. And in some sense, every bit of my life and every bit of the life of everybody in the world has lived in the presence of God. But that's not what David's talking about here. He's talking about drawing himself alone and quiet and just standing before God. In fact, another psalm that I want to draw to your mind is Psalms chapter 46 and verse 10. The Bible says, Be still. That word means cease. To faint. To be weak. To stop. That's what he's saying. Stop and know that I'm God. We live in a busy world with a lot of things vying for your time and attention, trying to cram everything on our schedules. Marlon looked at my calendar just a few minutes ago, and they both concluded I was way too busy. I had to tell them it wasn't just me. It was a whole family calendar, but that doesn't make it any better. There's a lot of things going, hey, we've got this going on, and then this going on, and, and hey, this is happening, and this is with the church, and then we've got dinner with this family, and then we've got work, and then you've got the dentist, and you've got this, and all these things that are cramming our attention that we often forget to stop and know that He's God. And there's some great value, some great benefit to taking that time to set aside, not for deep Bible study, not to, to pray for the sick, and not to look at uh, a scriptures that we're going to answer somebody's question with, but just a time for me to draw close to God, to realize that He is God. I want to show you some people in the Bible that have done this, beginning here with Abraham. The Bible talks here after the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. The next day, the Bible says, Abraham got up early in the morning to the place where he stood before the Lord. That was all he was doing. He got up to a place where he was just standing before God. There was no great song that he sang, that he wrote. There was no scriptures that he wrote. He wasn't uh, in a deep study. He just stood before the Lord. Another example can be found of Isaac. In, I, in Genesis chapter 24, the Bible says, And Isaac went out to meditate in the field at eventide. Abraham got up early in the morning. Isaac chose to do this at evening. He went out into the field just to meditate, to spend some time with just him and God. We see this happening over and over and over throughout the Bible. A third example, Jacob. The Bible says after he had the dream about Jacob's ladder that we call it, it says he woke up early in the morning and then he took the stone which he had put for his pillow and set it up for a pillar and poured oil on top of him. And he had a little worship just between him and God at that moment. He set up a monument at that time. Nobody else was around. It was just him and God in that moment where he brought adoration, he brought praise before God. Job, the Bible tells us of his children and himself that he would get up early in the morning and that he would sanctify them and he rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings. Thus did Job continually. It was a regular part of his practice to begin his day with this interaction with God. I don't know if he did it every day, but it says he did it continually. Job had this habit, this practice where he spent time with just him and God and in times it was on behalf of his children. King David, the Bible says of him when he writes in Psalms 100, or pardon me, Psalm 63 and verse 6, when I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches. He's talking about I, I lose sleep. Not that I can't sleep, but I forego sleep that I can meditate on thee. 
I can think about you, God. I can think about who you are and what you are and what you've done. I, I, I remember you upon my bed, and I, I, before I go to sleep, I meditate about who you are. A fourth example, or a sixth example, is Jesus himself, who took the time very often to go out by himself and just pray. Notice, if you will, in the first reference there in Mark chapter 1, the Bible says, In the morning, rising up great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place, and there he prayed. He was just by himself. Time to talk to the Father, just one-on-one. -on -one. Solitary, not with everybody else, but by himself. Again, in Luke chapter 6, And it came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain and prayed and continued all night in the prayer to God. Notice in one passage it talked about him getting up early in the morning to do it. Another passage, how he stayed up all night to do it. But the idea that I want you to strike this evening or, or be seen in your mind is that this was a habit that these individuals did regularly, a time where they got alone and spent time with God. Not talking about a couple study, a group Bible study. We're not talking about when we gather together to worship. I want to admit, those things are needful. We need to study with one another. We need to spend time with one another. Husbands and wives need to spend time studying and praying one with another. We need people that spend time in, in God's Word doing deep study. We need young men and uh, other men of the congregation putting together lessons. We need all of us putting together studies to share with our friends and neighbors. All of that's valuable. And I would say without any of that, you can't be a disciple. But what I want to share with you tonight is a tool that will help you pursue godliness, that will help you persecute it. Alone, this won't cause you to grow, but in combined or in conjunction with those other things, it can cause us to grow. It'll cause us to be the kind of people that's described here in Isaiah 26 in verse 3, that will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts thee, whose mind is locked in and focused on God. Folks, we can get busy doing things of God and our mind not be locked in and stayed on God. It's possible to get busy doing a lot of work without really locking in at times for that. And there's value in stopping and saying, I'm going to stop all the business of my life, and I'm going to dedicate just time between me and God into a solitary place, just like Christ. I'm not talking this evening about, well, you know, while I drive to work, I think about God. No. You know there's distractions there. That's not what we saw in these individuals. Well, when I walk the dog is when the time I like to think about God. Well, I, I find peace and serenity out in the wood shop or working in the flower gardens. I'm not doubting that. I'm not arguing with you on those, and I'm not saying those aren't all good and wonderful things, but I am saying that's not what we're talking about tonight. We're talking about getting alone to a place where it's just me and God and there's no distractions. Nothing that's going to pull me away from that. As much as I can control that, I go out like Christ to a solitary place so that I can have a meeting with God. Now, I don't want to talk about how to develop this discipline because it's really simple how you do this. You stop. <laughs> That's what it takes, is just stop and do that. There's no secret to it. There's no mindset you've got to change. You've just got to be willing to say, I'm going to stop and put that time into it. But what do I do when I do that? What kind of activities can I do, or does the Scripture show these individuals doing when they stopped and spent time with God? And that's what I want to focus on is just a couple of things. Number one is meditation and adoration. Psalms 119, again, David said, Mine eyes prevented the night watch that I might meditate in thy word. We see the scriptures talk a lot here, especially throughout the book of Psalms, of this idea of taking times to meditate upon the word of God. Again, in Psalms chapter 1 and verse 2, 
But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. Over and over we get this idea that meditation was something that was a pivotal part of these individuals' walk with God. That word uh, that's used here in Psalms chapter 1, to meditate, simply means things like utter. It means to talk. If you'll notice here in the book of Job, the Bible says, My lips shall not speak wickedness, nor my tongue utter or meditate. That's the exact same word that's translated there. My tongue will not meditate deceit. He's saying it's the same thing. So to understand what it means to meditate, I don't want you to get this idea that I'm talking about going out in your backyard and sitting with your legs in a folded position and your fingers out and humming a note. That's not what the Bible talks about when it means meditation. Here it literally means to utter. Another passage, it means to speak. Psalms chapter 33, he says, And my tongue shall speak, my tongue shall meditate. It's the exact same word that's translated there. Understand that when we're talking about meditating and taking time to be away from the noise of the world and away from all these distractions, and it's just me and God, it's a verbal interaction that takes place, that I'm meditating on the Word of God, that I'm meditating on God Himself. Again, a fourth example of that in Psalms chapter 71 and verse 24. My tongue shall talk of thy righteousness. So we see that it means to utter, to speak, to talk. Notice all of these have this verbal component to it. It's not just sitting there in our minds only, but these individuals, when they said, I meditated on my bed, they were talking to God. They meditated and talked about God and talked to themselves on who God was. Again, a fourth example here in Isaiah, the 8th chapter in verse 19. The Bible says, and when they shall say unto you, seek unto, speak unto them that they, pardon me, I'll try it again. Speak unto, seek unto them that have familiar spirits and unto wizards that peep and that mutter. Should not a people seek unto their God for the living to the dead? Uh, we can go back and study what he's talking about here and I say it some other time. But I just want you to notice that word mutter here is the same word that's translated meditate. He's talking about a very verbal thing. And so when we look at what it means to meditate, it's a verbal and mental contemplation of something. And in these cases, it was about God. It was about his law. It was about his righteousness, about his majesty. We're going to look at a Psalms here in just a second that we'll get a picture of what it means on something for us to, to spend time muttering about, to spend time talking about, speaking about with ourselves and with God. There's a value that happens when we begin to do these things. One, we saw earlier that it begins to help us keep our minds stayed on God so that when we get back into the world with all the distractions and with all the noise, our mind is still a mind that stayed on God. Now, obviously, to do this, before we get into to some of the benefits, to do this, to mutter or to utter God's Word, you kind of have to know it, don't you? We've talked already this week about memorization, of being able to take God's Word and place it into your life. It takes that to go out and meditate. If you don't have a Bible there, and you just need to be able to at some point say, here's what God's Word says. And I'm going to mutter on that. I'm going to talk on that with God about His Word. I can't meditate on His law night and day as David did if I don't have his law memorized. And so we're not dismissing from this the idea of deep study. That's needful. Memorization, that's needful. But what I can do with that as I see my Lord and Savior is I can go out and meditate on that. I can spend time talking to God about who He is. 
and about what He is and about His glory and about His majesty. And here's some of the benefits that come out of that. When I spend time meditating on the precepts of God, notice David said in Psalms 119 and verse 15 that the end result is, I have respect unto thy ways. When I spend time, and he's not talking about memorizing when he says I meditate on them. He's not talking about when I do a deep study on them or when someone quotes them to me. He says when I meditate on them. When I get away from all the distraction of this world and I get alone and I'm by myself, whether it's as David said on his bed in the evening or as we saw with some of the others that rose up early in the morning or some that went out at evening, when I do that, the result is, is it teaches me to have respect unto God's ways. If you find yourself struggling in some area of life, we talked last night about having that consistency of when I see behavior in my life that's inconsistent with what I'm trying to train my heart to, that I can do that test, that examination of my heart. And one way I can follow up on that is by taking some scriptures that show me what God requires of me as I'm struggling with that sin and go meditate on them. Go spend some time uttering about them with God, thinking about them, Spending time reflecting deeply on, God, what does this really mean? How do you really want me to do this? What does this look like in my life? I know that you said I'm to speak truth. Where do I speak truth? Whatever it is, spending that time talking with God about it, because he says when you do that, it teaches you to have respect unto his ways. Secondly, it gives us wisdom. David again says in Psalms 119, Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Through that, thou through thy commandments hast made me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. If I want to know how to get through this life and make good choices and not get tripped up by those that want to trip me up, not have mistakes fall left and right and be a person that's wise, one of the things that I can do is take time to meditate on God's law. It makes, David, he said, wiser than his enemies. You and I have talked some this week about the enemies that we have. Sometimes they're from within and sometimes they're from without. Sometimes it's the roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. If I want to make wise choices in those situations, if I want wisdom from God, what's something I can do to get that? Meditate on God's Word night and day. Spend time with God, thinking, talking, uttering, muttering His Word in my mind. To think about who God is and what His majesty and His glory is gives me the wisdom to make good choices. Thirdly, it revives me. I don't know about any of you, but there are times when I get tired spiritually. I'm worn out. I feel like I've been fighting an uphill battle all the time. And I need something to refresh me. And I'll tell you, coming to church and, and seeing events like this is certainly refreshing. And being around other Christians is certainly refreshing. But there's something more refreshing about the law of the Lord. He says it's perfect converting. That word converting means reviving the soul. That's what's going to keep me going is God's Word. When I'm in those moments and I'm struggling and I need some energy and I need some strength, the Bible teaches that it's God's Word that's going to revive my soul, that's going to give me that strength I need. Where do I find that? Well, if I don't have it memorized, I can't have that. And if I won't meditate on it, I'm not going to have that. When I'm facing that battle that feels like this is too much for me, I've got to give up. The Bible says if I'll take some time to spend with God's Word, it has the power to revive my soul. 
I want to be very clear. We're not talking about some magical, mystical thing that goes on. That's not at all what's going on. It's a simple interaction with the most powerful words ever spoken, words spoken from the King of kings and Lord of lords from the throne on high. Spending time with those words has the power to change me to change my situation, to change my circumstances, to help me see them in the way that God wants me to see them. And it revives me. It gives me the strength I need. Lastly, the Bible says that where we get our faith is by hearing God's Word. When I take time to sit and meditate on God's Word, to, to murmur on God, or not, pardon me, not murmur, not complain, but to mutter on God's Word. That's going to increase my faith because I'm sitting there dwelling on the very basis of where my faith is coming from, from the Word of God. And the more interaction I have with that, the stronger I'm going to be. I know that you realize that in life it's busy and there's a lot of voices calling out to you. What greater thing can you do than to meditate on God's Word to find strength, to find wisdom, to find faith, to find the ability to surrender your life to His Word? Personal devotion, meditation, and adoration allows us that opportunity. Consider, if you will, what Deuteronomy chapter 32 here says as Moses delivered these words to Israel. He said unto them, Set your hearts unto all the words which I testified among you this day, which you shall command your children reserved to do, all the words of this law. For it is not a vain thing for you, because it is your life. And through this thing you shall prolong your days in the land, whether you go over the Jordan to possess it. Moses told Israel, these words are your life. I don't reckon it's any different for you and I as Christians. It's the words of God that are perfect at reviving the soul, at creating faith. These words are our life. And yes, we need to have the deep study. Yes, we need to memorize. Yes, we need to study with one another and talk about His words with one another. But also an element of that is to spend time with just me and God talking about His words looking for how His Word could apply to my life. When I get a chance to think about God and mutter on God and talk to God, not just about His Word, but about specific things that His Word teaches me, I believe it leads to the idea of adoration. It's how God opens my ears and helps me understand things. Notice, if you will, Psalms 40 and verse 6. Here the Bible says, Sacrifice and offering thou didst not desire, mine ears hast thou opened. And that phrase opened, it's a very interesting phrase. It means to dig out. My ears, you've dug out. Stop and think about how many passages talk about ears that are stopped up. Ears that are closed. Isaiah says of the rebuke of God by a rebuke of God to his nation. That this is a wicked children. Children which will no more hear the law of the Lord. We read in Timothy that time will come when people no longer hear sound doctrine, but shall heap themselves teachers having itching ears. How many times Jesus said, He that has ears, let him hear. Talked about people whose ears were stopped up. Here David says, listen, you can dig out my ears. With all the voices calling out to me, all the responsibilities, all the noise of this world, it's real easy for our ears to get stopped up. It's real easy for us to study the Bible and look at it and go, why doesn't everybody else see this? Why can't we get these people to obey this? And every time we look at God's Word, we're looking at it as a, as a gun to load up and shoot other people with. 
Even if we're not being hard-hearted, we're looking at it going, well, how does this apply to everybody else? How can I answer my friend? Hey, I've got a family member I really love that I want to share the gospel with. And all of that's good and it's great, and please do that. Keep studying. Keep being evangelistic. But also turn back to God's Word in times of meditation that God has time to dig out your ears to clear all the noise of life away that you can gain wisdom, that you can gain faith, that you can gain strength. That's what he's talking about here because th that type of activity is what leads you and I to a personal... What we're doing together is adoration, is worship of God, but also on a very personal level just between me and God to worship Him. Notice, if you will, here in Psalms 29, here as David contemplates the mighty power of God's Word. Notice how he just turns to the common things of life and compares it. He begins in verse 1 and says, Give unto the Lord, O ye mighty, give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due His name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of His holiness. The voice of the Lord is upon the waters. The God of glory thundereth. The Lord is upon many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaketh the cedars. Yea, the Lord breaketh the cedars of Lebanon. He maketh him also skip like a calf. Lebanon and Siron like a young unicorn. The voice of the Lord divideth the flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shaketh the wilderness. The Lord shaketh the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord maketh the hinds to calve and discovereth the forest. And in his temple doth everyone speak of his glory. The Lord sitteth upon the flood. Yea, the Lord sitteth king forever. The Lord will give strength unto his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. This is a psalm where David just contemplated who God was. And he said this is the power of the voice of the Lord. Look how strong it is. It breaks the cedars. It causes the, these deer to calf. It finds out the forest. It divides the flame. Thinking about those things and keeping my mind stayed on them to think about the glory and the majesty of God, of His Word, of His power. There's so many psalms that we could go through tonight that show us an attitude that these people that wrote them talk about seeing the majesty of God in everyday life. And that's what I'm trying to get you to see tonight. Not just the Word of God, meditating on that and thinking about that, but meditating on who God is on His mighty glory, on His majesty, on the power that He commands, on the things that we think are so powerful and so vast and so wonderful, they come to not before the Lord. You know, when I spend that time with just me and God, not trying to prepare to answer everybody else, not trying to write a lesson, not trying to answer, but just me and God, it's going to have an impact on who I am. It's going to lead me from meditation to adoration, to praising God, to looking for ways to glorify God in my daily life. And that's why I say this needs to be a time that you set aside with nothing else going on so that you're not distracted. You know, I love to walk the dogs. It's a nice little walk we've got through our neighborhood. But I'll tell you, every time I go, I'll go, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to think on this verse. I'm going to memorize this verse while I walk. I've never achieved it. The dogs are always need to be pulled back. There's a new car in the driveway here. There's something that always catches my attention. And when I get home, I'm like, what, what was the verse? Let me find that again. Because there's distractions. We're talking about taking time to remove those, and it's just me and God. 
where I meditate on His Word, I meditate on who He is, on His might, His power, and His majesty. I believe when we do that, it responds from this meditation to adoration to service. Consider, if you will, Isaiah. When he stood in a vision in the presence of the Lord, and he saw the angels around the throne crying out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God. What was his immediate reaction? Well, immediately he realized he was a sinful person. He said, Woe unto me, I'm undone, for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of an unclean people. That was his first reaction. But after the angel took the coal and touched his lips, and he heard the voice of God, and God asked this question, saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? What was Isaiah's response to seeing all that? Here am I, send me. That's what we're talking about, pursuing godliness, isn't it? Being available to God, yielding our life, every member of our body, our tongue, and everything about us, our mind, our conduct, yielding that to God. And notice Isaiah got there when he said, Here am I, send me. God, you send me. You're in control. This is your life. I'll go where you want. I'll do what you want. I think we've been learning a song like that this week, haven't we? That comes when I stop, or it can come when I stop and realize the majesty of God, the power of His Word. And I allow God's Word, God's glory to dig out my ears so that I can come before Him. So one thing I would submit to you today that you can do for personal devotion is to spend time in meditation and adoration of God. To spend that time not just doing those things, but also the time in prayer. In Exodus chapter 33 and verse 11, this verse has always been extremely comforting as well at the same time terrifying to me when it says, The Lord spake unto Moses face to face as a man speaks unto his friend. There's a part of that that's comforting, isn't it? To think that I can speak to God like a friend. Face to face, that we can have that kind of dynamic between each other. But there's also this part that's terrifying going, I get to speak to God. That's, that's amazing. I'm coming before God. The King of kings, the creator of my soul, the one that breathed life into me, the one that knows me better than I know me. I get to go speak to Him. You know, I think it's important for us to realize that prayer is not just an empty ritual, but a healthy prayer life can fundamentally change who we are as disciples. It can make all the difference in the world. And prayer is one of those things that I think we assume everybody just knows how to do. It's prayer after all. How hard can it be? There's a passage in the book of Luke that jumps out to me here. Jesus was praying. As he prayed in a certain place, he ceased. One of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. I'll tell you why this grabs me, because the disciple that came to him was a Jew. He was accustomed to praying. It wasn't a foreign concept to him. It wasn't like you took this guy that never knew anything about prayer, and he saw Jesus praying and goes, Huh, what are you doing? Tell me about that. He would have known what prayer was. But there was something that he saw in the prayer of Jesus. Something he saw in the prayer of John and his disciples that said, That's different than what I know. And I want what you have. Lord, teach us to pray. I think it would benefit all of us to spend time really taking the effort to exercise our prayer life, to develop that, to understand what it means to pray before God, 
We won't spend a lot of time on that tonight. I do want to share a few things with you on that. But one of the things that we find in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1 is there are different types of prayer. It says, I exhort therefore that first of all supplications, prayer, intercession, and giving of thanks be made for all men. You know, if I will take the time to meditate on God's Word, to chew it in my mind and to speak to God about His Word, about His glory, and spend some of that time in prayer in these different type of prayers, it'll help me. It'll focus me. It'll give me the wisdom, the strength that I need. Notice, if you will, when the Bible talks about giving thank prayers of thanksgiving. In Colossians chapter 2, it says, Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. You know what spending a time alone, meditating in prayer to God about thanksgiving, things that you're thankful to for? We sing the song, I don't know if you still sing it here, but from time to time we'll sing the song, Count Your Blessings. Have you ever really done that? Really sat down and gone through and said, God, look at the things that you've done for me. You know what that will do to you if you sit and really spend time talking with God and giving Him thanks, not just for the things that you think are great and wonderful, but for the trials that have caused your growth for the difficult times in life that He's seen you through, for the headaches and the heartaches. To learn to give thanks in all those things changes my perspective. It causes me to be more humble, to be more gracious. Isn't that part of discipleship? Isn't that part of godliness? Learning humility, learning thankfulness, learning graciousness? Well, how can I do that? By spending time in meditation and prayer to God of thankfulness and the things that I'm thankful for. You know, it's not just about the good things in life. I mentioned to the kids earlier in the week that I'm jealous of where they're at as young people, that they had this opportunity as young people to do these things. I didn't have that opportunity. I don't relish my past at all. There's nothing that I want to go back and do. I don't want to go back to that. But I'm thankful that it is what it is because it's what led me to the Lord. And if I were to change any of my past, I don't know if I would be standing before you today. I'm thankful for all the difficulties. Michael, I'm thankful for Boys Ranch. I'm thankful for all those things that happened because it led me to the Lord. Spending time thanking God for all that's happened in your life will cause you to see those things differently. And it cause you to see life itself differently. I think there's great value in us taking the time to meditate and be thankful. There's great value in taking the time to meditate on my sins and what the scriptures say about my sin. The Bible says in 1 John 1 and verse 9 that I'm supposed to confess my sins. I believe he's talking about confessing them to God here. And not just a general sense, God, you, I don't have to tell you, God, you saw it. No. Tell him all about it. Tell him what you were thinking. Tell him what you weren't thinking. <laughs> Dig into that sin. Dig into that moment that you fell. You and God talk about it. Talk about the scriptures that relate to it. And you know what you'll do is you'll get in there and you'll begin to see patterns for how that sin's developing in your life. You'll begin to see triggers. 
You'll begin to see things that you need to change and things that you need to avoid when you spend time talking to God specifically down in the dirty muck of your sin. And it'll humble you. It'll let you know you don't have this life figured out and you still need mercy and you still need grace. It'll cause you to become the disciple God's called you to become. We need to spend time talking to God in supplication. The Bible talks here in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6 that in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your needs be known or your requests be made known unto God. You know what I believe talking to God about my requests are? What that helps me do? When I get real specific and I have to explain to God what I want, it helps me see the difference between what I want and what I need. And those aren't the same thing. Sometimes they're vastly different between what I want and what I need. And when I spend talking, time talking to God about what I want in prayer and meditation, at times it makes me see, you know what, I'm being selfish. I'm being the exact opposite of a disciple. I want these things, God, for my own lust. I want them for my own pride. I don't want them for your glory. It'll change the things I look at in this world and how I see them. It'll expose my heart to spend time talking to God and such a thing about my request, about talking to God about other people. Paul says very simply in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Brethren, pray for us. And I'm not talking about when the guy says, Hey, I'm going through some rough times. Please pray for me. And you go about your business and you see him next Sunday and you're like, Oh yeah, I'm supposed to pray for him. Dear Lord, bless him. Hey, I've been praying for you. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about spending time meditating on the needs of other people, on their hearts, putting their life ahead of yours. We've talked almost every night about how changing the focus of how we see things comes down to seeing other people as more important than us, lifting them up, esteeming them higher than us. To be a servant of God is to do that. You know, it's no different with personal devotion. When I spend time just between me and God, thinking about the needs of the congregation. What do we need, Father? What is it you want your church to do in this community? And, and how can I bless the people there? You know, we've got a sister going through some difficult times. What can I do for her? You know, when I leave that moment of meditation and prayer about those people, you know what stays on my mind? Those people. They stay on my mind. And you know when they're on my mind, what I'm more likely to do? Go see to their needs. But you know when I get busy with the things of this world and the things of this life, even if those things sometimes are church work, church-related activities, you know what leaves my mind? Those people and their needs. And you know what I don't do? Go see about their needs. I can spend time meditating, undistracted, meditating on God's Word, meditating on God's glory, meditating on the needs of others, praying to God about them and their needs. And that will turn me into a servant of those people just as God called me to. I think you can see just from these things that the idea is, is that we become a people that draw nigh unto God. James chapter 4 and verse 8, Draw nigh unto God and He will draw nigh unto you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Do we need to cleanse our hands? Yes. Do we need to purify our hearts? Yes. What we're talking about tonight is drawing near to God. Purposely stopping the world around us and finding time 
to just be me and God. That's a challenge. We're busy. I know you're busy. I'm busy. I've got a lot of things to do. And I don't feel like I've got enough time to do it. I need another 30 days in a month to get in a month. And we all have the same problems, the same struggles, and the same trials. But if I want to exercise myself to godliness, I need to be those people that wait on the Lord. That be still and know that He's God. If I want to exercise myself to godliness, I need to find, I need to make that time to know God's Word, yes, but to meditate on God, on who He is, on His Word, to sing praise and to bring adoration to Him, to spend time talking to Him in prayer, to be the kind of people that David describes here in Psalms 37. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and He shall give thee the desire of thy heart. Commit thy ways in the Lord. Trust also in Him, and He shall bring it to pass. You know what's in my heart and what I believe is in the heart of people here tonight? It's to be the disciple God called you to be. To grow spiritually. I don't know many members of the church that go, Ah, I'm okay being a sorry disciple. There may be some, but I, I've not heard anybody say that. I hear a lot of people say, You know, I wish I knew the Scriptures better. You know, I wish I was stronger as a Christian. And I believe what they're saying is that's the desire of my heart. You want God to grant the desire of your heart? Delight yourself in the Lord. Make Him hear your world. Make Him your world. Make Him your everything. Take the time to memorize the Word, to study the Word, yes. But also take the time to meditate on it, to lead you to adoration of God. Take time to spend with God in prayer whether it's five minutes a day or 20 minutes a day, whatever you can do. I, I believe that if you begin this process, you'll see your life begin to change because God said, if you'll do this, I'll give you the desires of your heart. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we have to believe that promise from God because that's what it is. If you'll delight yourself in Him, He'll give you the desires of your heart. The study is yours this evening. hope the things that we've talked about have been challenging somewhat to you, to each of us, to, to begin to find time to be still, to know that He is God. If the things that we've talked about tonight have brought a spiritual need forward in your life and you'd like to turn that need over to Jesus Christ, if you have a spiritual need of any type, the water's ready. If you want to be buried with Christ in baptism, resurrected to walk in newness of life, if you have a spiritual need of any type, Christ stands ready to meet that need. We stand ready to help you take that to Him simply need to know of that and ask you to make it known by having a seat on these front pews as we stand now to sing the song that's been selected.